What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast here on this Friday before the dogs are back on the road to avenge what happened at the hands of the Penguins last week in which the dogs were left embarrassed. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, it's a new week. It's, it is the Valley. It's you move on kind of thing. You got punished by a really good team. Now you get the soft parts of your schedule and some games you know you should win, and that's what we have tomorrow, Noah, when we face the racers of Murray State. It's a game where we, clearly we should come out on top and maybe win handily. We need to honestly kick it back into gear for us before the biggest game of the year, even next week. What's going on? Yeah, it's it's time for hopefully they've moved on and looked at the mistakes they made. And just like Nick Hill said on the presser Monday morning, it's their job to respond. There's going to be a lot of adversity in a season, a turning point or something to look back on. Um, that brings the team together, and they have to use last week to find a way to create an edge from that and use this bad feeling you've got in your stomach to get another opportunity, and that's a good good step. Well, we talked about it when South Dakota went into North Dakota State and upset them, then you'd hate to be that team next week, and that had just had to be Missouri State. So just like Murray, Murray State tomorrow, I'd hate to be them because it's going to be a pissed-off football team because they didn't know – they they know they didn't play up to their expectations last week, and they got a lot of a lot of fuel from it. Yeah, especially if we want to put ourselves on that echelon of teams to where, you know, even and not even fully that example you're talking about, but Murray's last game, South Dakota, like now that South Dakota's, you know, had themselves up to where they are, they plummeted them, and granted they did it at home, but those are the kind of wins you need to have, and that's exactly what we need to have. Yeah, you hope that that a lot of things changed, and there's a lot that went wrong in that game especially a game you don't want to have off of a bye. And, but nonetheless, here you are and you're ready to full go it in this conference season. Again, it's some of these games that you need to win zero doubt about it. Uh, we'll talk about this. Obviously we'll get, a, there's a little bit of an extra tidbit around the NFL Salukis um, and typical. There's a lot of good games coming up this week and we'll dive into that in our usual. It'll be a shorter episode again, as we preview the racers at the very end. Noah, let's kick off how we are always do on Friday, how you did last Friday as well, did a good job filling in um, about the recruiting for sure, but obviously the commits and what they're doing. We haven't heard a whole lot from them, you know, off and on over the last couple of weeks to when we first got a got in, uh, a hold of them, but some of them have have uh, notified us some things. But no, what else do you know about what the guys have done in the last little bit? Yes, yeah, starting, starting where we always usually start on that defensive side of the football and our and our linebacker commit up in Batavia, Illinois. Um, big win last week for our linebacker commit, Ben Feigl and the Bulldogs, 54 to nothing. They led the way again for his defense. Six tackles, did have a, a, a quarterback hurry and had a PBU as well. So um, probably not a lot of second-half play for him, but leading the way because he's usually up in the double-digit tackles. Um, on the night so a big win for him um, they are on the road tonight against a Wheaton Warrenville South team four and three on the year so expect Ben and his bull and the Bulldogs to get to seven and one after a road game to White before senior night at home next week so he's continuing to be a tackle machine on the defensive side and that's what we've been seeing a lot of in our linebacker commits recently also on that defensive side of the ball over at Webster Groves and our guy Tyrese Reed, they dropped one last week to Parkway North, 43-7. to He did have three tackles on the night and another 
two QB hurry. So Tyree's still being a force in the middle. They are on at they're at home tonight against an 0-7 Northwest High School. So expect them to get their third win of the year to aim to get back to around 500 before the season ends and before district play district play starts over there in the state of Missouri. Um, another defensive guy in our cornerback commit, Denim Mitchell. Yet to hear from anything from him. Still can't DM him. Um, we've talked about reaching out to his maybe his high school, seeing if they would have have his stats. But last week they win thirty five nothing, or last night they won thirty five nothing already this week. And last week they lost to Tupelo fourteen to twelve in a low scoring game. So Denham's team four and three on the year just got over that five hundred mark. Um, Coming off a three-game losing streak, they get a win last night. So um, big time before they got three games left in their season. Down in Louisville, Kentucky, and our DN commit, Nate Tronzo, down at Trinity High School. Coming off a 44-10 win last week. Um, big game for them against Ballard. I've seen their high school account posting a lot of stuff. So um, still, no stat, still not heard from him either. Um, but they are home tonight, first senior night against a three and four Eastern High School. So, to get to that six and three mark for him before postseason starts next week um, would be big time. Then jumping to the offensive side where we've had a lot of success, it seems like staying down there in Louisville in our QB commit ET Harris at Kentucky Country Day. They win last week over a Holy Cross team, nineteen sixteen. This week they're at home as well um, against a four and three Bethlehem. So expect another big win. They're undefeated to get to eight. No, um, to, to continue to really can control that district play for ET and his guys. He's um, I'm sure lighting up the scoreboard, even though we haven't seen a lot of stats, our other QB commit, which a, another guy, we don't think we've talked about and mentioned, um, don't think he'll stay at QB, but our guy up in Mount Carmel, Blaine Sissons, they win last week over a, a really good Casey Westfield team, 23-20, so that was a really good game. They are on the road at a 1-6 Marshall team tonight, so expect them to ruin Marshall's senior night and get to 7-1 um, before senior night for Blaine next week. Um, he's been posting some clips and different stuff. Uh, I think we wished him good luck this week as well. Um, then our last QB commit and our guy over at Edwardsville High School um, who has senior night tonight, and that is Jake Curry, who's been setting setting records. Um, I think we retweeted it last week. I don't remember if I put it in my bookmarks to say it, but he broke the school record for touchdown passes last week. So, um, he's climbing the record boots over there at Edwardsville High School. They were in a really good game last week. Got to watch a little bit of it uh, once I hopped off recording the podcast. Um, found the stream. They played a really good Belleville East school in the a battle of 7A schools up there. Jake and Edwardsville were down 24-7 at halftime. Battled back to win 49-45 on the road. Um, Jake was really good 15 of 24 for 253 yards three touchdowns zero picks also had 17 carries for 64 yards on the ground so um, Jake was really good in this football game and for senior night 
Um, it was a really good test for them last week against Belleville East, but it gets even gets even harder as they host uh, East St. Louis, who's five and two on the year, but East St. Louis always loads their schedule. So I'm going to hop off here as well and see if I can find another stream for that one, because that's going to be a really good one. So he's got a lot, a lot on the line tonight on senior night, then staying on that offensive side of the ball, our guy, Lucas McDaniels, who played last night as well, takes a tough loss, 21-18 to DeSales. Um, they won last week though on the road, 24-6 over Western. So a um, couple more, a uh, couple district game next week for Lucas and his team next Friday night. So Lucas wished him good luck, I think this week and stuff like that. Then our three O line, com our three offensive line commit or our two offensive line commit and our one tight end guy, Aiden Morardi. He did, I think he did DM us um, this past weekend um, they got a big win over a under, I think it was undefeated West Aurora team, 14 to 13. Um, he said he had 261 rushing yards and had a catch for nine yards. So um, that's a big win for them over a really good team, West Aurora. Um, they're on the road tonight against Yorkville, who's four and three. So they are trying to get back to 500. They're three and four in the year. So get to four wins. Uh, they're not going to get to the playoffs because I think it's it's kind of like the bowl get, bowl system in college football for IHSA. Um, you got to get to six, so they're trying to get back to 500, but they only got one game left. Uh, then our two O line guys um, starting down in Owensboro, Kentucky, and our guy Jack Lindsay. They were they are five and three on the year, coming off a 62 to six win last. Thursday against um, Mulburn County. Uh, I think he DM'd us as well because it was fall break. They played on Thursday. He said uh, they played well on offense and defense. The run pass game was very efficient. So um, offensive line doing their job. They're on the road against a Madison Madisonville North Hopkins team, six and two on the year. So should be a good one on the road tonight for Jack and his squad. Then our final one over in Evansville. Quentin Boak, offense lineman, coming off a 52 to 20 win over Evansville Bossy. Um, they are at home against two and six Evansville Modern Day. So looks like Quentin and his team hopefully get to nine and zero with a big win over Modern Day tonight and um, get to next week where they start the playoffs over there in Indiana. So a lot of W's for our guys. Some guys not having great senior years, but individually, I like what I see from all our commits so far. No doubt. We've loved following these guys the whole way. And again, we're so appreciative that they've, <clears throat> that they've been able to message us and tell us even more about how they're doing, but you've been able to find it either way. Yeah. It's this time of year. And we mentioned over the years, other classes that they've been able to, uh, a lot of them have been able to go decently far, but some, yeah, you know, every, obviously everybody's not going to have, you know, overall the best seasons and that's the case. It stinks for Aiden that, you know, they do have to reach that number mark, which we know that's kind of the case even for us about how you, you know, what kind of resume, what you have to do to get in. We know our hometown team, Marion, is struggling right now. And they, their playoff streak is on the line here, um, you know, this weekend leading up to at the end of the season. But a lot of these guys, yeah, they're, they're playing well at the end. You mentioned how even speaking of Aiden that he said after they did as a team rush for 260, he said they put a lot of people on their ass in this game. Uh, we know, and it's all about actually 
segueing to, you know, even the good luck tweets for a lot of these guys in their games. And we always look at who they who they tag in the tweet because that kind of indicates, okay, you're probably going to tag Nick Hill because he's the head coach, but then you're going to tag your position coach. And you mentioned Blaine. Yeah, we don't think he's going to be that. You've been hinting at that for a while, and we've kind of just putting you know, the puzzle pieces together of what he's able to do. You know, we don't want to limit him in college and to, you know, let him be the athlete that he is. And he tagged in his one five hours ago, uh, Coach Griffin and Coach McGraw. So that means special teams, and that means uh, tight end play. So he's going to be like that kind of gadget guy. He's going to segue, maybe put on a little bit more weight, you never know, and kind of be that kind of guy. Um, Aiden tags Dan Clark and Coach Griffin as well. So that's obviously the blocking tight end-ish, you know, along with uh, how, he, how he's been on the defensive side. And then, as we know, everybody else, it's all about who they tag. We know the guys like Lucas will tag Antonio and – even Parker Getter, who still has to make a decision, hasn't yet. Yeah, we wished him luck as well. But even, uh, yeah, Jack and Quentin, we mentioned how we saw them at the Missouri State game. They had a good time. And even whenever Jack messaged us about how he did, we told him, like, hey, yeah, we saw him, you know, before the game. And and we said, hey, you know, hope you're getting ready to watch SIU, you know, a big game tomorrow. And he said, yes, sir. And then, of course, that's the game where we get smoked. So, all the commits got to see that, but at least they didn't get to see it at home. Like some of them will be in attendance for some of these games. We mentioned how next week's just an incredible game, incredible matchup. So yeah, all of them are getting close to the end of this season. We've left following them. Uh, good job on you, Noah, for finding out all this stuff and shout out to them for still doing it. A lot of them getting towards, you know, the right to fight for their state titles respectively. Uh, so we'll keep following them as time goes on. Retweet everything we see. All of them, you mentioned how some are breaking records. Some are having incredible years. So, again, good job on that. And we'll keep retweeting even like portal stuff. We factor that into this. Haven't had a whole lot of more offers as it is. And then high school, we know, is still coming along as well. So update that more and more as time goes on. Segwaying to the NFL, former Salukis. We'll kick it off with a former dog and one that we thought was going to impact this season. James Caesar as we know, was looking to get the waiver. Doesn't look like, obviously, any of these guys are going to be getting the waiver, uh, which is unfortunate. But, no, we saw him working out. And thanks to, I think, Jacqueline Crane was the one who who just got a big-time award for her. She does awesome things for football in the athletic department. Shout out to her. But she initially tweeted it. And we follow the Orlando Guardians because of Xavion. But we didn't – you know, I, I, remember, I feel like I remember looking at the post but not looking at it totally – uh, James Caesar's in that. He's been working out, you know, trying to – we know the XFL is trying to merge with what the ASFL or USFL is trying to merge into one big league. So a lot of opportunities more for guys. And James is getting, getting workouts there. Noah, that pretty much obviously means that, you know, he's not going to play for us this year. It would be awesome to happen. We kind of knew that whenever Noah Finsky posted his thing a week or two ago or more. But, Noah, you know, they're kind of easing their way into letting some guys play. And that was the – the thing with Tez Walker who gets to play tomorrow, you can dive into him actually getting, you know, the good news finally. And it takes a lot of things to happen to convince the NCAA, but no, it's not like they're, they're canceling everybody out. We mentioned how they pick and choose, but it's good to see at least them give us some, some more people, you know, the right to play. Noah, it's good to see Tez finally get, you know, what he deserves being able to play. Yeah, most definitely got to play in a, some limited snaps on offense and got a full week of practice. So um, it just, it's a shame what the NCAA did releasing a statement saying that um, the way that North Carolina handled the situation and going public about stuff and eventually saying that North Carolina provided some, some piece of information that if they would originally 
put it out there that he would have probably been eligible right away, which they're just making stuff off what they probably the piece of information they probably did receive was a letter from uh, the University of North Carolina and Tez Walker and Bubba Cunningham and their attorney that they were going to take them to court. And it's just magical how you do something like that and just press into them and they um, fold like fold like a. I mean, it's just crazy just how the NCAA does it. It's um, you see, you see it with a Minnesota guy got been at three schools and he finally, he got to play right away. Um, you see it in basketball with uh, Tanner Holdem who started his career at Wright state decided to, they had a good season, made the NCAA tournament. He says, all right, I'm going to transfer out to go bigger. He goes to Ohio state, barely plays, doesn't have any success. And then he decides to hop back in the portal and he goes to, uh, back to right state and all of a sudden he gets his waiver to play we know deandre williams who started his career at evansville trying to get a waiver from memphis so just little things ncaa is doing but yeah tez getting it right it just it sucks i don't know if noah tried appealing it or anything any of that kind of process but um it just sucks that we've had some guys that could potentially help this football team especially last week when our o-line was getting outmatched Exactly. And we know we've seen Noah's impact this whole time. We're sure clearly he was at Youngstown, didn't get to see those kinds of things, but he's been bought in this whole time. We've seen his family at games and knowing that if he doesn't play this year, we'll have him next year and a, and a big old transition season next year. We'll have to, you know, and offensive line has a lot of eligibility. We'll talk about that when it comes, but just the fact that Noah brings that veteranship, even that whole effort next year that we'll definitely need. So uh, I'm sure he would love to play your ride. It's all about the if he did appeal, but it doesn't look like those guys are going to play. And even us bashing the NCAA every time, you know, the the X account every time he messages something or posts something himself, that doesn't do the trick. We have to lawyer up, I guess, to get going. That's what you know. The whole thing you mentioned with North Carolina is just nuts. Again, pick and choose. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, James. Good luck to James on XFL ops. If he can do all that, we're not sure what he was doing in this in these last years we haven't seen him get these ops but now that he's fully back into football maybe he will uh so i guess obviously everything with him coming to us is by the wayside uh we don't know if he's getting these workouts and able to come back i would say we won't see him again the rest of the year so good luck to him hopefully he can find his way into those leagues and we can talk about him more and more that quickly segues me into just another article i had i feel like i talked about it on the last one kind of breeze through it a little bit but how they're going to have rule changes for FBS and FCS in terms of the transfer portal. And there's been a lot of NIL things, a lot of rules they are starting to change for next season. But I think this is relevant to, uh, you know, there's an article by Tom Van Haren of ESPN uh, that the NCAA division one council approved a rule change Wednesday that will eliminate the initial counter limits for both the FBS and FCS. This article was from October 4th. Prior to the rule change, FBS programs were limited to 25 initial counters per year. Which essentially meant each program could bring in 25 total players each year. That total included high school prospects and transfers, and coaches were limited to 25, even if they were below the total scholarship limit of 85. They mentioned how it was kind of problematic to, problematic to restrict the counter number given the large number of players transferring in and out of college football programs. Coaches, in some cases, were not able to fill the roster if they had already brought in 25 players for that year. The initial counters have been temporarily suspended in 2021 as a result of covid and the implementation of the one-time transfer exception, which let players transfer once without penalty, that rule has now been permanently eliminated, and each program will be bound only by the total scholarship limit. 
like I said, I kind of breezed through that last time. We'll talk about it more, but you know, obviously when we get to the off season and we add players and all about what the rules are for everything, hopefully that changes with some of these rules because they're all the backlash, all the everything that they're taking on, they have to change stuff and it looks like that's what they're going to do. So there's also an article or an athletic article that I don't have in front of me. We'll talk about it more down the road, but it's obviously important things here. Uh, quickly to the NFL Salukis, I mentioned how there's a little bit of a wrinkle this week, and that's because our very own Jeremy Chin, who – you know, came off injury last year. He's been playing good this year. I mentioned on the last one, he's only had he only had 18 snaps this past week. A lot of people were talking on X about, you know, his role and how he does not really fitting into what they are defensively now, which is just ridiculous because he had what a Vikings game. He was incredible. And though, as you know, we saw it today and we've kind of, you know, like I said, people were kind of talking about it on X about what his role could be even on that team. And then, the JPA football, which is like an insider X account that people have been seeing along with all the multiple others. He said rumors, the Eagles are expected to reach out to the Panthers to inquire about safety. Jeremy Chin. He mentioned how obviously the Eagles do this every year. They made it, you know, play for a safety last year and they're going to try to do it again to add to that incredible defense. No, this is unfortunate. I don't think it's anything on Jeremy. He plays as great as he obviously can each and every time. Uh, if he goes to the Eagles though, we won't, be upset, you know, it seemed like the Panthers are kind of a dumpster fire as it stands. If he goes to the Eagles and competes for a Super Bowl, I don't think we're going to be too upset about that, Noah, but we thought Jeremy could be a Panther, not forever, but at least get an extension off of his rookie contract here. If they do it, we'll be obviously joyous for him. Like I said, it'll be a better opportunity for him, and if that is what it is, then it is. Yeah, just uh, the word that we use so often, it's just unfortunate for him for the staff change and the D coordinator change to come in here and change the system and see how good he was and obviously got banged up, but just sucks seeing him not getting the, the, the snaps he deserves because when, when he's out there, he's making plays. I mean, we've seen the last couple of weeks when he's out there, he's making plays, so. I mean, yeah, if, if you can jump in and for any team, not just the Eagles, and him get to a winning organization and strive and be the guy we know he can be, um, he'll be really good. I mean, Eagles are getting banged up defensively a little bit. I know they're without two guys on defense that are pretty good this week, So, and they're already out with uh, – so it it would be a really good pickup if they were able to get him, but any, any team, if they got this guy – and put him in a winning organization. It'd be really cool, I and mean, it'd be a lot better. I mean, to get him on a team that's on TV a lot and be able to see him play more, and even here, all right, uh, that's Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, just hearing that on TV and get him on a better environment would be a lot better. Yeah, and, you know, the Panthers will regret it. I'll just say that. If they do that, no matter what they get in return, draft picks, they'll regret it. I promise you that. So, you're right. If it goes, if it's Eagles or anywhere, it's better than where he's at right now. So hopefully it does happen. This week, though, he did he, he does play the Dolphins, so it's not going to be any easier for the Panthers. They're going to keep losing at Miami this week. Uh, Ryan and the Buccaneers are hosting the, the Red Hot Lions. And then Michael and the Falcons host the Washington Commanders this week. We'll talk about how they do. At or early on next week. Noah, the FCS and Missouri Valley stuff. Uh, there was a thing we that I noticed that we retweeted around when the rankings came out, even before the, I guess it was on Sunday when this happened, FCS football tweeted about how, um, you know, with the committee that they will make at-large selections and compile, and they will compile pairings for the 2023 FCS playoffs that will include the Stats Perform FCS Top 25 poll as a tool for evaluating team resumes. 
the media poll joins the FCS poll in replacing the strength of or whatever that is. So, again, that's notable because we want to be in the playoffs. That is something that they're going to go off of this year, depending upon what people think of these rankings every single week. So I just now saw that. So I wanted to mention to listeners, even though they probably saw it on X themselves, talk about it down the road. No, let's talk about these games this weekend. Like I said, a lot of great ones, FCS or Valley, a lot of great Valley matchups, but you have some other FCS ones that are good. What are those this week? Yeah, there's some good ones um, around the FCS just that are just to keep bracketology on your peak and watching games that are potential games that could cost teams a playoff spot at the end of the year. Uh, Albany goes on the road to New Hampshire. I mean, New Hampshire's two and three. They're trying to battle back, but um, Albany four and two on the year, Richmond at Rhode Island, Furman at Sanford, Elon at Villanova. That's going to be a really good game. Elon fell to three and three after a loss, um, last week to NC Central. Gardner Webb on the road at Austin P. Austin P continues to put up more and more points, and hopefully, they continue to win and make that. Dominating win we had in week one even better. Tarleton State's at Eastern Kentucky. Uh, scrolling down here, Eastern Illinois on the road at SEMO. Get can Eastern Illinois get to five and two and officially put the dagger in SEMO? I see some people still have SEMO winning their conference. Not sure how that's possible at this point. Um, just some other ones. Chattanooga's on the road at Mercer. Stephen F. Austin on the road at Central Arkansas. Norfolk State plays Tennessee State. Cal Poly plays Montana State. UC Davis at Weber State. That's an interesting one. Then the really the other big one besides Valley Valley uh, schools is uh, Montana on the road at Idaho. I think that gets ugly. I don't think Montana is good as their record and as good as everybody thinks they are. That's not the usual Montana we see every year. Then in the Valley, Youngstown goes on the road in South Dakota. That's going to be a really good football game at one. Wish it wasn't around our game, but um, we'll be keeping track of that. NDSU goes on the road at North Dakota. That's at one as well. So unfortunate as well being at that time. Indiana State at Illinois State. Expect Illinois State to get to four and two. And they continue their playoff push. UNI goes on the road at South Dakota State. Um, I think that could get pretty ugly if Theo Day doesn't have a good game. Then Missouri State on the road at Western Illinois. Can Missouri State, uh, I'm not sure if Clark's going to play, but uh, can they get their second win of the year? Or does Western find their um, maybe last win in Valley play um, of their of their history? So going to be interesting there's a lot of good games, but some really good Valley games. Um, see if Youngstown can continue and go on the road and knock off a really good football team. Yeah, three of those five games are very, very good because, yeah, I mean, even no matter what the Fargo Dome is, North Dakota is great at their dome themselves. And I think they can definitely play with it because they are at home and North Dakota State's just a totally different team on the road over the years. And this is one of the weakest teams that they've had. You know, they're showing those – those cracks, you know, over the last couple of years, because there's a new sheriff in town in the Valley and in the country, which is their other state opponents. Uh, but, you know, that will be a great game for sure. You're right. Some of these time frames, but I think the best game is Youngstown state at South Dakota. We saw what the Penguins did to us. And we know South Dakota's just riding high off their incredible wins. And both those teams are definitely looking to be 
uh, playoff teams. And again, some of these resume builders, if Youngstown then goes on the road, that'll be that. Just I, I'm looking forward to that game, just keeping up with it itself. Indiana State should fall to Illinois State. Yeah, but you and I, you're right. You know, if they can get past all of their deficiencies and Theo Day goes in there, they can put up, you know, maybe two touchdowns. South Dakota State's just too good. They'll blow them out at the end. And then you're right, Missouri State. It's weird how Clark – it's not weird, I guess. It's been a couple weeks that Clark still be hurt from our game that he still can't play. So maybe Western can get that dub and make home. You're right. We'll see about that. Um, we'll get to our game in a second. The presser came out, obviously, on Monday. Nothing really to take from that uh, one bit. Just something into the, the racers and then uh, clearly just about how awful the game was uh, last week. But uh, – there actually, I looked, I think the other day or maybe earlier today, there's no changes to the depth chart. But the only thing I noticed was because last week Desmond was ahead of Iverson Brown on the depth chart that now switched back. Iverson's ahead of Desmond. Other than that, everything is still the same. We know that Deontay's now off of here. It has been. And then Dayton Mitchell, the same. Zach Gibson's up there. Uh, and they're not going to take Roe out if he's unhealthy. We know that we don't know the status of Roe going into this game. Hopefully he does play him and Jalen. Uh, but Rose still, you know, RB1 on here. So maybe he will give it a go. We've said how maybe we don't – maybe he should take another week off before the biggest game of the year next week at home on homecoming and take sit this one out. We could get the job done with Justin and other guys, we think. So hopefully we don't see him, but he's on there. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. No, that segues us to these racers. But uh, there was also a couple posts real fast about getting into the team that Luke Martin had some PFF – uh, post from in the last couple of days, uh, if I could find them. He said, PFF grades for our defense. Highest graded player over 100 snaps is Dez Hearns at 83 overall. Dune Smith, highest graded Saluki in pass coverage at 86.6. And P.J. Jules, highest graded tackler with zero missed tackles on pass plays, only two total misses on the year. And then on, on offense, Romir tied for third in FCS with offensive grade of 90.4. His rushing grade of 92.1 is second in FCS. Nick Baker at 82.8 is 27th among quarterbacks in the FCS. We know that Roe missed a game, so that's why he fell a little bit. No, into these racers, they're three and two or two and three on the year. They're not as much of a laughing stock as some other teams in this league. We know what they did last week. They got pummeled, but no, they're an interesting team. And again, new to the Valley, uh, you know, at that Coliseum-style place. We haven't played them a whole lot. It's been a long time since we played them last. But, no, what do they have to offer this year? Uh, they have an interesting quarterback and, honestly, an interesting team. Yeah, Coach Dean Dean Hood entering his fourth season under the helm for the Racers. Uh, spent uh, quite a while at Eastern Kentucky and done a really good job as their head coach there. Then he spent a couple of years um, as a special teams coordinator and coaching outside linebackers at the University of Kentucky under Mark Stoops. So now he's um, done a decent job building this building this team, what he thought was going to be um, a contender in the OVC every year, but making a jump like they have into the Missouri Valley is even a bigger step for him than he thought he was going to have. So um, just a really good football team that's um, had their ups and downs. They – they beat Presbyterian to start the year 41 10 and they play two FBS games and at Louisville, who's still undefeated um, potentially may win the ACC, maybe middle Tennessee state, a solid program. Then they get their first Valley win against Indiana state. Then they have to make that trip to South Dakota. 
Um, so only averaging 18 points a game, obviously playing two FBS opponents, that's going to be and allowing 33. Um, but to jump into some of their players, uh, you mentioned the quarterback or teased the quarterback, DJ Williams, a guy who came in and won OVC freshman of the year um, and played really well, a dual threat guy who can do it all with his arm and with his legs. This is the guy where I hope if we can bring in E.T. Harris and be this type of guy, I'd love to love to have this type of guy as a program. Got hurt last year, so missed quite a bit, but um, going to be a game – a game changer if Antonio James can't have a plan to maybe put a spy on him. Obviously this is a type of game matchup where I think the three down lineman works because you can have an extra linebacker or bring down PJ jewels and put a spy on this guy and have your guys match up and be very good. Um, Cortez Jones, Kaiwan Morgan, a Juco guy um, at running back two guys, done a nice job in that role then obviously don't throw the ball a whole lot he's only uh dj's only thrown for 686 yards on the year they're tied in as their leading receiver only with 212 yards that's cole rusk um two touchdowns on the year then taylor shields taylor shields and uh michael fox a nc state transfer at wide receiver um will lead the way but defensively got some solid players um to watch out for Nick Walker and Canyon walk or Kyan Walker. So two guys that aren't related can Canyon's a DB from Tulane university, Nick Walker's an inside linebacker from up North in Illinois from Bethalto civic Memorial high school. Um, two guys to watch out for then case Shepard, um, another outside linebacker. That's a redshirt junior. That's been in the system for a while. So, and their fourth leading tackler is a guy we actually recruited, Calder Williford, a DB at a Lutheran North when we were getting the Brian Brown. And that was originally a three-star committed to Kansas State. Then he ends up down there. So just a guy to watch out for. They got some really interesting guys, a lot of FBS, JUCO, NAIA, D2 transfers. They've built this program around to come in here and see what they can do in the really tough valley. Yeah, it just looks like, you know, I think the guys might have said it in the – or I've heard it about some things that some guys don't want to sit in the pocket. They're immediately just trying to run and do, you know, trying to make plays in that way and you're not comfortable, whatever. And I don't know what their offensive line is, you know, if they have some veterans, if they have, you know, anything to even protect them. But it looks like he'll want to roll out every single time. Watch out for the, you know, for the whatever those are called – that I'm blanking on that quarterbacks do, you know, anything. And the fact that they have, they've had a lot of people try to rush the ball this year. They do have just Jones who does it for almost 300 Cortez. They have some other guys. Williams only at 91. That just proves he doesn't get, you know, no matter his sacks, he still finds a way to rush. He's one of those guys. Clearly a guy you have to, I mean, he's a veteran. You have to take into account everything. They've had rushes for a lot of different people in a lot of these games, but most of a lot of guys to catch the ball. So they're, they have just a lot of options. You mentioned on the defensive side, you're right. Williford, we did recruit. We thought we were going to land him with uh, uh, Brian and uh, Jalen Banks. You're right. So we remember him going there. They have stolen a couple guys on here, even some guys I'm scrolling on trying to find. There's one guy that I'm thinking of. I don't think he's on here uh, that went there a couple years ago. But Kevin definitely Robbins. interesting, you know, and Ken Robbins. And uh, 
you know, even what Nick Hill said, and you kind of said it there, like they are good in like their own right. We mentioned how they're not, you know, the worst of the worst. They're better than Indiana State. They're better than Western Illinois, 100%. Uh, but again, this is a game we should go into with no remorse in a sense. And we know it's not always going to be the way you want it to be a game where you feel like you need to dominate. Some things happen in games to where it can change it. And I mean, just in terms of the personnel, yeah, the fact that they have a great punter who gets 44 per and can flip the field, it'd be nice, you know, having a punter. If you could get in the trade deadline of college football, everybody'd be going to get this guy. We could need him for sure. Uh, but if they can flip the field, that's why they, you know, the guys mentioned how they've been able to stay in some games is because they're able to flip guys within their own deep into their own red zone and the march downfield. Next thing you know, that's taking so much time off the clock. So there are an interesting team and we know that place is an interesting place to play. Like I said, we went there five years ago. Last time we played them, we've only played them, whatever the stat is of, you know, barely any you know, it's two hour drive, as it said, three, we made that trip so many times for multiple reasons, basketball, disc golf, anything. It's, it's really not, it can be two hours, but it just depends how people drive. Yeah. Three times in the last 20 years. And we've won all three, like I said, the 2018 meeting when we killed them by 39, we were in attendance for that game. Uh, you know, so don't play them often until now this year. And they were kind of talking about, we know how basketball it's kind of came into a rivalry and, until they start getting a little better and we stay where we're at, it won't be that kind of rivalry in terms of both teams having a lot of success. But, uh, no, I mentioned their punt unit, and that's clearly a big thing in this game. Uh, like I said, if we could trade for them, we would. Uh, that I think that could be a difference in this game because of that. And if our offense is kind of sluggish and we don't have some of these guys that we've had previously, no matter what kind of defense they're throwing out there, and in general, you know, we should be able to score in this. And we'll get our predictions in a second. Do you have anything else you want to add on their personnel? And like I said, only playing them three times. And, you know, I won't be able to keep up with much of the game. But in general, you know, we know, you know, I was able to take off work and you work to where, you know, you maybe thought about maybe going to this. And it's a fun time to go. We love going to Murray, no, overall. But do you have anything else on them? Yeah, it's just uh, you mentioned their punter. It's just it's it's funny. He's a true freshman from Australia. That's just absolutely, I mean, yeah. averaging, like you said, averaging 44, he has a long of 67, has 11 inside the 20 and has seven of 50 plus this year, only three touchbacks. I mean, this is just, it's just crazy. If you go back to Landon Torney and when he was coming out, um, it's just weird having those kicker punter ratings because Torney was a five star and he was given the FBS freshman year starter scholarship pick and he ends up here and he's just absolutely awful and they get a true freshman from down there and he's just absolutely killing it there. A question mark for me. Well, I mean, we, we've seen it with our defense the way it's been. Don't break their kicking game. They've, they have two kickers. They've only attempted a combined three field goals on the year. They're two for three. Uh, one's a true freshman, and the other one has been there for a little bit. So that would be an interesting if maybe not sure how many times this year they've went for it on fourth down, if it's a lot or not. But if it's inside field goal range, it, that's something. Maybe it's like us. They've only went for it six times, and they're four or six. So, um Maybe that's something that comes into play, their kicking game, which if it's a battle of the kickers, I don't know who's going to win. 
Definitely them, it would seem like, yeah, just because how ours has been, even though ours should be better. Again, it's an interesting team. It's different than playing just a regular pocket, you know, pro-style quarterback that can beat you with his arm. I feel like you can have equal amount of worry of a guy that can beat you with his feet and the fact that they, if they do go for it, they have a lot of different options they can do. But, again, we should leave no doubt in this game I had on here that it's a game we need to dominate and hopefully, you know, get some starters out, get – we know the, you know, with the true freshman, with the with the number of games to whatever, so we'll only see maybe Jameer Khan. We've seen him in games to where I think he's reached the five, I don't know, total about the five game mark, but he's close. He'll be the only one that plays, but hopefully we get some young guys in this game. Well, that segues us to, you know, near the end of this preview, and it's a spread, uh, you know, mention, you know, we're on the road and we're ranked 13th now and how we know this should go. And based off of other games we've had leading up to it, Noah, this should be – it would seem like within a two-touchdown thing, if we beat Youngstown and we were still top five, I could see this even being even lower. And I don't know how much benefit they'd give to road teams. But, no, what do you think a spread could be unless you've seen it already? I haven't seen FCS Reddit make up one that we can go off of. You think it may be like a seven and a half? It seems like there wouldn't be a two-touchdown. We'd have to be playing the smallest of the small for that you think it may be a touchdown difference? Because usually it's within seven, around three. You thinking like maybe seven and a half or something? No, I actually think it will be more for some reason. Vegas usually seems to favor the dogs. I think it could be up around that two touchdown mark that I would probably, right now, if I were to set one, I'd probably set it more at 10 and a half around that mark would be a good range. I mean, if we would if we were to take care of business last week, I could see it up around 20, but I'd say around about 10 and a half at, at this rate. Seems appropriate. I think two two scores for sure. I wasn't sure even seven and a half. Clearly, that's on the fringe. If you go for two, it's definitely going to be with seven and a half, ten and a half. We'll keep it at that. I think we'll be right. Just because I'm thinking of it on the spot about attendance. We usually do that for home games, but I'm just thinking of. I think on their home opener, they had like eleven thousand people. We know that side is massive. They had a lot of you know a pretty good turnout. I wonder what the attendance will be. We'll keep an eye out for that tomorrow. But no, dogs of the game. Uh, I'll start with offense, and again, it feeds off of perhaps Roe Elliott not playing. We don't think he should. If he's 100% go, which I don't think he would be anyway, then sure, you can come in and play. But he's so valuable. It shows, again, we wouldn't have lost by as many as we did if we had Romier last week. I still think we would have lost. A lot of things went wrong. But if he doesn't play, no, that means a lot of Justin Strong still. And I'm going to pick Sean Lester. He's got to get positive yardage at some point. He's got to do it. We mentioned how Nick said they got to get Sean Lester going a little bit, and that's because Roe probably won't play. We know Justin can do a lot of good things. He's not 100% either, but no, I think Sean Lester is healthy. He needs to get some positive yardage if we're going to run. We're not going to throw it as much. Because if we have a lead a lead in this game and sustain it, you know, we don't want to, you know, stop the clock a lot. We want to run it, get the clock, you know, going in that essence. I'll go with Sean. Uh, you're offensive, and then go ahead and lay me your – your end of your defensive and your special teams offensive i'm gonna go with uh isaiah hardship i i think it's uh gonna need a big game from him and this offense needs to get going and with deontay out he's got to be that lead receiver so he's gonna be match up with probably a college williford or one of their other guys so expect him to have a big game um obviously nick's gonna break the record i mean if he doesn't break it this week there's gonna be problems with this offense um, so go with Isaiah defensively. I think it's going to come down. I'm going to go with PJ Jules. I've yet to use him this year, and I think this is where he can come down in that box and potentially um, be that QB spy on DJ Williams and 
really help this defense and the guys can cover and get a lot of coverage sacks on this guy. And special yeah. teams, go I'm going to go with Jalen Reed. He's got to be smarter in the punt return game. He's got to, if this guy's got a leg, obviously I said seven, seven of 50 plus, and he has 11 inside the 20. If it's put your, put your, heels on that five yard line and if you you have to make one step back let it go and we'll see what happens from there yeah we'll see how their gunners are and their coverage you know unit to be able to do that yeah allow them make the play and you you do everything you know let the punter do his thing but you allow the other guys to try to make it to where it's all worth it in the end of those plays that's why i was going to pick special teams i was looking at the depth chart it still has vincent up there it has jalen backing him up so we'll probably see jalen don't want to use Vincent in those opportunities, but yeah, I was thinking that too. Maybe we can get some separation if he's got such a leg and he can, we can get some positive yardage in that to set us up. Uh, yeah. I've, I've gone with PJ a lot. It seems like I was going to go with Dune Smith because whoever is going to spy, because we mentioned how he's been the best in coverage just in general. If he's, if he's back a little bit and, you know, goes towards the ball in the quarterback uh, and actually I was going to take Ubed Steed. I'm pretty sure what he led us in tackles last week. If he, if this quarterback finds a way to get past the first two levels, hopefully Ubeed's there, to, and we know he's a sure tackler. I'll go with him leading the team in tackles again and maybe even, you know, getting a you know strip tackle or something or forcing a fumble, something like that. I think he could be pretty impactful, uh, again, if he, if we get to that third level, which, you know, with a running quarterback, anything's possible. So a lot of these guys have to be on their P's and Q's on defense. He's going to be rolling out enough so we wouldn't pick a guy that's going to get some sacks. Just a lot of guys in the second and third units got to keep – their eyes out for Williams. Um, so again, that segues us Noah into our score predictions. I was trying to think of this, you know, clearly if we don't have all of our, you know, guns on offense still, no matter what, we still have enough to get the job done. Clearly we're both going to go with wins scoring wise. Again, this needs to be kind of what South Dakota did against them around the same score, even though they're at home and, you know, a lot of things can go wrong. I can see some things, kind of going haywire in this game all depending but no I, I'd say we should clearly blow them out I, I was thinking initially of like a 34 to 9 win 34 is a lot of points but again this is the team where you need to score points on no matter who you have back there uh and I'm hoping we can only hold them to a couple field goals and let those guys do it I mean if we go up too big and they get in those ops they're going to go for it but hopefully whether that's you know six and then three so be it I don't know three field goals I'll say a 34 to 9 drubbing no this hey this has to be a blowout what do you think yeah, I definitely do. I think after offense last week struggles, and I think that they'll come out and want to want to make a statement that that was just a fluke and that this offense can get right back on track. I think it's homecoming down there for Murray State, so maybe be a little bit more energy and excitement for them. I think they can score maybe a little bit. Um, DJ potentially giving us some fits, but um, I got the dogs winning 42 17, uh, putting up 42 points, getting back in that offense where we can put up a lot of points and show the ability of what we can be. And it's time to get back on that right track before obviously, uh, don't want to look too far ahead and make this too close of a game because you got a big homecoming matchup yourself next week, yeah. So, kind of get out of this game, get the job done. Hopefully you escape some injuries because yeah, we want everybody we can for that game next week. Yeah. Nick is 28 yards away from passing Joel. 
Stamberski, yeah, you're right. If he doesn't do it in this game, that means we're rushing for 300 yards and we just win in that way. You don't have barely have to throw, but clearly Nick's got to get over around 30 yards or more, obviously. Uh, Nick Hill said it. It's our job to respond. So hopefully that is what they do. They need to do it. If you show any signs of, uh, you know, flaws in this game, the Jackrabbits are to come in here and blow you out at homecoming. You need to, you know, make a statement in this one like you should and segue it into confidence going into having your homecoming crowd against the number one team in the country. So, again, you know, we'll tweet when we can tomorrow. I won't be keeping up with most of it. Got a wedding to attend. Uh, but we'll try to obviously retweet and stuff and keep up with it. I'm not saying I'll still keep up with it. I just won't be able to tweet as much, you know, if he can – if Noah can do a little bit of that, otherwise, again, we'll just do it. It's one of those games where you expect to get the job done. Maybe you won't have to say a whole lot in general of, like, anybody having to say a whole lot in these games. Clearly, we'll, we'll try to do the best we can in that regard. So, again, at Murray, short trip. Hopefully, we do have a decent crowd going there for their homecoming. Should be a nice little thing over there. So, for Nick Malone. Noah Lurch. As always, till early next week, hopefully recapping a big dub. Go Ducks.